So I want to ask you a question, and if you have a pen and your, your listening sheet, I, I want you to write something down. Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know why you're here? I get the, the opportunity to meet with and talk with lots and lots of people. I love meeting with men and having coffee with them, and, and especially young millennials, I like to ask them the question, what are you dreaming about? What's your purpose here? Do you know why you get up every morning? Do you know why you go to school? Is it just to go to school and get a degree? I, I ask other people, do you know what your purpose is here? Is it just to wake up in the morning, get the kids ready, take them to school, work, come back home, take them all over, uh, Amarillo in, in our case, all over to sporting events and music events and, and then get home, have dinner, watch TV and get them in bed and, and do it all over again? The What's your purpose? So I want you, if you have an idea of what you think your purpose is, I want you to write it, uh, write it down in that little space right underneath there, okay? Go ahead and do that right now. <laughs> now, if you know pretty much, you know, have a pretty good idea of what you think your purpose of being here on earth is, write it down. But if you're not, um, because a lot of times when I meet with with people and I ask that question, I get this foggy deer in the headlights look like, well, I'm not really sure. So if you're not really sure, that's okay. I hope that in about 30 minutes, at the end of about 30 minutes, when you walk away here, that you'll have a little bit better idea of what our purpose is of, of living and being here. And, um, and, and so, you know, as Kurt mentioned, he and Alan have been doing this series called Greatness, and they've actually called me out of the bullpen as the closer today. I'm the Ken Giles of, uh, of the vineyard this morning to kind of close out this series. And so what I, what I want to do is I, I want to ask you to write down what you think your purpose is. And, and then I'm going to tell you what I think our purpose is um, and give you the right answer. Okay. So... <laughs> But I would like to read something uh, before, before I, I do, before I tell you. I want you to read what's going to be up here on the screen. And you can just listen to this. You don't have to. I, I just want the words of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to just speak to you. Here we go. This is Philippians 2. Is there any encouragement from being, belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate, i.e., toward other people? Then make, my, make me truly happy. Or the NIV says, make my joy complete by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So I'm going to give you two versions of what I think our purpose here is. The long version and the short version. The long version is I think we're here to know and love and honor and worship God with all of our heart. And to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to look like him in loving other people. 
and to humbly in freedom live for the greatness of God. So, short version is to humbly live in the freedom that God gives us in Christ and to live to the greatness of God. Y'all with me? You ready to go? Uh, so let me ask you a few more questions from this passage from Philippians 2. And on your little cheat sheet, <laughs> if you have your pen, uh, just circle what you think is the answer for you. Here we go. Four questions. Are you encouraged by belonging to and having a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes or no? Have you been comforted recently by God's love for you? I love what Alan said. I, I read that uh, years ago from Brennan Manning. Uh, God loves us so much, just as we are, and, and there's nothing we can do to cause him to love us any more than he does right now, and there's nothing that we can do to cause him to love us any less than he does right now. I, I think that's so great. So have you been comforted by, by his love? Three, do you ever experience intimate fellowship with the Holy Spirit in his presence? Yes or no? And is your heart tender and compassionate toward others, i.e. loving other people, yes or no? So if you answered yes to any of those questions or to all of them, then here's what Paul says following that. Work at living in, what do you think the first blank is? Unity. Work at living in unity with one another. The situation back in those days, back in Philippi, there were a couple of gals who kind of got sideways with each other. And so Paul comes along and he says, make the effort, make the commitment to live in unity with each other. And just like you're working in teams, keep doing that, especially after you move into your new building. Growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like Alan did, as a matter of fact, <laughs> had that in common, I believed in God. Misty, I believed in God. I just didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship with him. But I remember my mom tucking us into bed, me and my younger brother tucking us into bed and saying our prayers at night. Mainly she would say them, but now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Um, we didn't go to church all that much. We went a few times a year. Christmas for me and for us and our family uh, our parents were very generous and, and wonderful parents. Um, Christmas for me was really Santa bringing what we wanted for Christmas, and Easter was about getting the eggs. Um, fast forward my senior year in high school at Edison High School in Tulsa. <clears throat> After workout one day, I was in the locker room, and a friend of mine who was there, Chris Smith, said, Hey, what are you doing tonight? I want to come pick you up and take you to Young Life. And I said, well, I've got some homework. I've got math, and I've got this. And he goes, blow that off or do it fast, and I'm going to come get you and take you to Young Life. And I'm like, what's Young Life? And he said, you just got to come. And he starts naming these beautiful girls that were going to be there. And I'm like, what time are you picking me up, pal? So I went, and I had so much fun hearing about Jesus in a relaxed living room atmosphere that made sense for me. And I'd never heard that I could know Christ personally. And I went on a Young Life ski trip that, that December. And for me, it, it took a few months for it to really 
seep into my head and into my heart. And laying in bed one night, I just said, Jesus, if everything I've been hearing for the last few months and learning about you is true, I invite you to come into my life and change me. Up to that point, I really didn't have a whole lot of purpose. I didn't know what my purpose was growing up. It was to do well in school, to do well on baseball field, uh, to get a paper route and make some money and have some, some money that I could spend on myself. And, uh, but, but things began to change from that point on. And God began to change me. And as you know, as followers of Christ, we're in a long-term, lifelong journey, marathon journey with the Lord. And He is changing us little by little all the time. And that's the good news, uh, uh, that's part of the good news of, of Christ is that he's in the, in the process of, of changing us. So I've had, just like you, I've had my ups, I've had my downs, I've had my, my victories and my, my defeats, I've had disappointments, I've had regrets, I've made mistakes. But all the way along, just like we sang, Lord, you're never going to let me down. I love that song. Way to go. Thanks for doing that, Stephen. I, I love that song because it's so true. And, and I can see in my life, even when I have blown it, that he's been faithful. He's been good. He is great. And so now, my, my desire, my purpose, is to humbly live in the freedom that he's given me in, in Christ through the cross to live to his greatness. Okay, that's what I think our purpose is. Now let's look and see what God says about how we live it out. You ready? Are you ready? Thank you. I, I like a little interaction. Some people don't, but I do, okay? Just saying, Babo, let's go, let's go. Okay, Philippians 2, verse 3. Do, the NIV puts it this way, and it's in your, in, your, uh, in your sheet, on your sheet. Do nothing out of selfish... Whoa, hello there, Vince, or whoever. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Nathan's Doc. Anyway, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, the NIV says. Am I doing something right or wrong? Am I good? Okay. I love the New Living Translation. I use it more now than I do any other. Not that it's the greatest or, or whatever, but, but it says don't be selfish. And then he goes on to say, don't try to impress others. But don't be so, the message puts it this way, don't push your way to the front of the line. Gosh, wow. Are you kidding me, Paul? Are you serious? Don't be selfish. Don't push my, what, what are you talking about? How can we not be selfish at times? I mean, come on, Paul. Even as kids, kids are selfish, right? It, it's my toy. Get your hands off. That's mine, right? Where did they learn that? From mom or dad? Grandpa or Dee Dee? <laughs> no, they don't learn it from him. So e even as kids, we, we learn that. Where, where did we learn that kind of attitude? Well, thank you very much, Adam and Eve. <laughs> if we'd have been there, we'd have done the same thing. But they were selfish, and they've passed it on. And so we have inherited a selfish nature. 
Even Don Jones has inherited a selfish nature. But Jesus is changing him. <laughs> so no... <laughs> That's right, Pam. So no one has to teach us how to be selfish. We, we don't have to learn how to, how to be selfish. Being selfish, number one. Write this down, not because I'm saying it, but because it's true. Number one, being selfish is thinking only of what? Yourself, with no regard for how it might affect others. Now, sometimes we're aware of being selfish and we don't care how it affects other people. So sometimes we're very aware of our selfishness. But other times, we're completely unaware of our selfishness and how it is affecting people. So even at Christmas, in a Christmas gathering like we had at our home in, uh, in Amarillo, uh, selfishness showed up. So here's the deal. Um, one night, we're at our home. So our oldest son, Rob, and Becca and their kids are over at our house. Kurt and Lauren and their kids are at our house. Matt and Allie, our youngest son, and their little boy are at our house. And Kurt puts on a playlist, and we break out into this spontaneous Attaway Christmas dance party, and we're going at it. For 15 minutes or so, everybody's dancing around, parents, kids. It, it's so much fun. And I want you to watch a video of what happens um, everything was great. Everything was fine until Preston, four years old, a little bit younger than Emerson, is doing somersaults around the room, oblivious to what it might do until he clocks his little 18-month-old sister. Watch this. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so do we have the other one, the slow-mo? Okay, let's see it in the slow-mo. Bam! <laughs> Look at Jaden. What did you just do, cousin? <laughs> so it doesn't matter if we're young or old. It doesn't matter if we're aware of it or not aware of it. Like in Preston's case, we... Let's be honest, we're, we're selfish some of the time. And so, um, so Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, tells us as followers of Jesus, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Think about that. <laughs> Just think about your own life. Think about it. If it wasn't possible for us to, to not be selfish in and of the help of, of the Holy Spirit, w would he have even mentioned it? Would he have even said, don't be selfish? Would he have said that if it wasn't possible? And the answer is, oh my gosh, you guys, come on. <laughs> the answer is no. The answer is no. One more time. The answer is no. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, if it wasn't possible, Paul would not have put that there by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is possible. 
it is possible for us to think of other people. It's not a suggestion. It's really a command that Paul gives us. Don't be selfish. Now, the truth is, this is the very thing that America tells us to do. In our culture, it's what we're told to do. To think of yourself. To get all you can. To do what you want to do. You deserve it. I deserve it. And so we expect to be selfish and get what we want and push our, our way to the front of the line, don't we? Yeah. So this is kind of crazy. We live in such a narcissistic culture, and we see it screaming at us, even on the Olympics, the commercials and movies and whatnot, for us to think about ourselves, get what we want to get when we want to get it, do what we want to do when we want to do it. So um, selfishness is thinking of yourself, either being aware or not aware, and doing what you want to do with no regard for how it affects other people. And selfishness is wanting what we want when we want it and doing what we have to do to get it. Would you agree with that? Pretty selfish motives that we have a lot of the times. So if you will, you're doing great. I appreciate the interaction and the responses. Write down these four words. Write down want, W-A-N-T, and put an arrow to the right. Want. And then put down expect, E-X-P-E-C-T, with an arrow to the right. Then put down demand. You want something, you expect it, you demand it, and with an arrow to the right, entitled. I deserve it. So, so think with me of a situation. Let's just say uh, you want a raise, you want a promotion. I want this promotion. I expect to get this promotion. I, I, I demand that you give it to me because I deserve it and, um, and, and I feel entitled to get it. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'll work somewhere else. I'll put my name out. Linda and I have been doing a six-week um, marriage enrichment study with 35 couples and last week our topic was conflict resolution uh, and it occurred to me and, and and I shared it with her and it occurred to us and we said it conflict conflict in in marriage comes when you want something and you don't uh, you don't get it and so you want it more and you expect to have it um, so you might just later on today think of, uh, of a recent conflict that you've had with someone at home, at work, with a friend, um, and, and just I want you to ask yourself when there's something that you want and you expect and you feel like you deserve, ask yourself, what's my motive? What's motivating me to want this? Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that you want. But if there's conflict, think about your motivation. What's my motivation for saying what I did to her or to him? What's my motivation for doing this or doing that? All right? So just, just something to think about. Um, because in marriage, for those of us that happen to be married, uh, in marriage it's so easy to be selfish, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, we, we can just become self-absorbed and we can do things and say things and then later, like, like I have heard, <laughs> you can go, oh my goodness, throw those words back in my mouth. Why did I say that to her? I, 
why, why did I say that, babe? That was hurtful. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? <clears throat> By the power of God's Holy Spirit, we can humbly live in the freedom of God's greatness. I get the opportunity and the privilege and the joy of leading a ministry uh, in Amarillo at our church called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, Celebrate Recovery, it's a global ministry that started out of Saddleback in California. Anyway, uh, helping people recover from hurts and habits and, and hang-ups that they've had. And so we've got people coming who, who have serious addictions uh, to alcohol and meth and heroin. There's a guy who is free for the first time in his life. And he's like early 20s uh, or mid-20s, mid uh, been seriously addicted to heroin. And, and, and by coming, not that Celebrate Recovery is the answer, but God has met him there and, and allowed him to recover. Um, another guy uh, was an alcoholic for 16 years until three and a half years ago when he started coming to Celebrate Recovery. And um, he would say if he were here, and the guy on that has been... Uh, addicted to heroin, and he would say as well, if he were here and they were honest, when I got honest with myself, I realized that it's just been my selfishness. I've been selfish. I've done what I wanted to do to try to ease the, the pain in my life. So the second guy, the guy that has been free for three and a half, excuse me, years um, from alcohol, he's one of my leaders. It's awesome. It is awesome to see them come in broken, messed up, so trashed and dark, and, and then for God to heal them and s restore them and, and, and free them from what's been holding them back and down and, and, and to step into leadership. I, I love that. And he does miraculous things through that, and he's doing miraculous things here as you step out of stuff that's holding you back. Okay, so by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be selfless and not be selfish. Philippians 2, 3, don't try to impress others. Message says don't try to sweet talk your way to the top. So here's the deal. If we're honest, we will, will admit that we are a pretty performance-driven people. Many of us, you know, some of us more than others, but we like to impress others. Why? Because we want them to like us, right? And if they like us, we feel better about ourselves. Um, I know a little bit about this. It's called people-pleasing. Um, I, I, for, much, for, for, for much of my life, okay, for most of my life, I have been a people-pleaser, trying to impress others so that they would like me and think I'm, you know, hot stuff or whatever. And God's really done a lot in my life in this area um, to, to get me to where I, I, don't, I don't give a rip, Stefan, what you think about me anymore, pal. Okay, I do. But, and, and really, here's the, the truth. It, it's okay to, to want to be liked, but it's not okay to, be, to want to be liked too much where your identity depends on whether people like you and accept you and want you. If, if, if you have a tr you know, trouble with that one, um, that's an area to, to really confess before God because being a people pleaser really is not a good thing. I used to think it was. I grew up with it, and I thought it was the way that it's supposed to be. But Paul says, don't try to impress others. That's what he says. 
Um, a friend of mine who's a professor at Denver Seminary made this statement about a week ago to me, to us. Uh, he said, it won't bother you so much what people think of you if you realize how seldom, that's the fill in the blank, how seldom they actually do. <laughs> We're so caught off. We're so, you know, messed up by, what does she think of me? What does my boss think? What, when they really aren't even thinking about that. I got to keep going. Okay, Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Rather in humility, rather than being selfish, and rather than trying to impress other people, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others, NIV. New Living Translation, be humble. And that's where I get the humbly, humbly live. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What is humility? How would you define humility? I think humility is the prescription drug to combat selfishness. Or to put it another way, because we tend to think, if you're like me, we tend to think of humility as putting ourselves down, of degrading ourselves before other people. But really, here's, here's what humility is. And then there's a fill in the blank. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Um, we tend to compete with each other. If I get ahead of you, then I'll win the argument. And, um, but if you get ahead of me, then you'll win the argument. And we, we have this competition. It's true in sports. It's true in relationships much of the time. And, um, you know, the crazy thing is uh, if, if only I can get ahead of you, if only I can win the argument, if only, if only, if only. If only. And that's not it. It's, it's thinking of ourselves less and thinking of other people more. <clears throat> Would you play the what-if game for just a minute? Would you all, thank you, thank you. I love that, thank you. Um, the what if game, what if starting today, or at least by tomorrow, what if we decide, what if we choose, what if we make the decision to humbly love others more than they love us? What if we choose to honor others no matter how they respond to us? What if we choose in the business world to serve them and help them to have the best day of the week no matter how they respond to us. Wow, would that be incredible? I think that would be an evidence of us humbly living in the, in the freedom of Christ to the greatness of God. Philippians 2.5. In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus had, NIV. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Most of us know Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for the good of those he's called. Do you know what Romans 8, 29 says? For God chose us to be, fill in the blank, just like Jesus, to be conformed into his image, to look like him, act like him, smell like him, love other people like him. Um, I, I wanted to, well, I, real quickly, I'm going to do this. This is a bonus. Sometimes we... We're selfish because of fear, fear of failure or fear of not being valued. Sometimes, uh, or at other times, we're selfish because we're trying to prove something 
to prove how smart we are, to prove how good we are. Sometimes our selfishness comes out of, uh, of trying to hide something, hiding what's, what's dark inside of us or an addiction. Other times we're selfish because we don't want to lose an argument, a sales opportunity, a job promotion, a toy that's mine. Um, but here's, here's the reality. Freedom comes, and here's the last fill in the blank. Freedom is having nothing to fear. This is freedom in Christ. Having nothing to fear, nothing to prove, nothing to hide, and nothing to lose. One of the cool things in Amarillo is people open the doors for each other. Women open the doors for men. Teenagers open the doors for women. It's, it's the coolest thing, and it's, it's really an act of humility. Um, and so I, I, I just love that tangible thing. Um, so freedom is, is having nothing to fear, nothing to prove, nothing to hide, nothing to lose. Though he was God, Philippians 2, 6 through 8, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When Jesus appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus chose to deny himself, to surrender, to lay it down. And he said, anyone who wants to be my disciple, anyone who wants to come and follow me must what? Starts with a D, must deny himself or herself. So, that's what living a humble, selfless life is, is really all about. It's a choice that we get to do. And um, um, I, I want to introduce a guy that you know. You know him better than I do. John Martinez um, is married to Deborah. He is uh, he, he's a sales director um, for Godiva Chocolate. So men, this Wednesday, for your wife or your special friend, go out and buy a bunch of Godiva chocolate. Yeah, let's welcome John. I want you to hear how it works for him, how this whole thing works for him. So, um, can you guys hear me? Is that yep. good? Okay. So, uh, don't forget, you know, this, uh, this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and in many of our faiths and our backgrounds, we give up things, right? Um, I would ask that you don't give up chocolate, okay? <laughs> give up anything else but not chocolate, okay? That's all I ask. So... Those of us that are in the business world, we've heard these phrases. I'm just going to say a few little phrases. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing, right? You're only as strong as your weakest link, right? Um, you cannot manage with your heart, right? So I want to tell a story about two dogs, a Christian, an atheist, and the busiest time of the year other than Valentine's Christmas. And it's going to kind of uh, bulk all of those sayings, um, because I truly believe that a weak link is an opportunity to become something stronger and something better, right? If you're an athlete, an athlete will plateau, but if you're barely starting out in athletics, you have so much growth potential. Your heart will keep you alive. You can be brain dead, but if your heart's alive, you're still alive, right? Um, winning isn't the only thing, it's, or winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Sometimes in losing, you understand how much greater it is to win, right? So we have a little dog named Molly, and I was traveling in Atlanta probably in the spring, 
And we got a phone call from the vet. We had taken her because she was going to have her teeth cleaned. And they ran some tests, and the results came back that she was having some liver issues. And you have to understand, Molly, we've had her for 14 years. She is our little girl. She runs our house, okay? Um, so I was very upset. I was touring the market. I was in Atlanta. I was touring with, an, with some executives. Had to call Deborah. stepped out, came back in. Everybody could tell I was visibly shaken. And this manager asked me, he said, what's wrong, John? And I said, my little dog. I told him the story, and he has a dog. And he said, oh, he goes, I I'm so sorry. Well, this, this manager is an atheist. And, and we all know that he's an atheist because, you know, whenever the word God comes up, he sh would shake his head, I, I don't believe in that. So fast forward a few months later, he, I'm, I'm back in the market, and he says, how's, how's Molly? And I said, she's doing great. Doctor put her on medicine, changed her diet. We're cooking chicken for her. We're making vegetables. I mean, we're, 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 she's good. I said, but most importantly, we prayed. And my wife and I, we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. I think I prayed more for Molly than I have ever prayed for any other human being ever, okay, other than Deborah, right, honey? Um, so long story short, we fast forward to Christmas, right? And he doesn't really say a lot when I, when I told him that we had prayed and, and Molly was doing better, but we fast forward to Christmas, and it's, it's the second busiest day of our entire year, Valentine's being the first. This gentleman runs the third largest store in the world for Godiva chocolates, okay? He is one of my main people. It's 5.30 in the morning, get a phone call, and he's crying, okay? He's crying. I didn't know this guy could cry. This guy's huge, okay? Um, very like, mm. He calls and he says, John, it's James. And I was like, what's wrong, James? He says, you know, I just got pickles and, and pickles had this accident and we're at the hospital and they don't know if she's going to make it and I, I, I don't know what to do. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I don't know about work. And I said, is, is pickles in danger? And he said, yes. And I said, well, what do you mean you don't know what to do? How, how, how are you even asking me this? You need to stay with pickles. And he said, are, are you serious? And I said, yeah. He goes, are you going to fire me tomorrow? I said, no. I said, I'll fire you tomorrow if you leave pickles. I said, you need to stay with pickles. And he said, okay. He goes, but I need to ask you one more thing. And I said, what? He goes, will you pray for pickles? And I said, yes. And I'll, and I'll tell my wife to pray for, for pickles too. So long story short, um, he says, what are you going to do about my store? And I said, well, I'm going to send this other manager to help take care of your store. She's a new manager, newly promoted. They did not get along at all they had this bad tension about him. He said, I can't believe you're going to send this person, but okay, do whatever. Okay, great. So we send this person. This store was up 30% when this new manager came in. So we didn't have to worry about the store. God took care of that. But what God did something better and, and, and greater was Pickles is okay. Pickles survived. The nurse that was attending Pickles was a Christian. And she overheard James' mom tell James, I can't believe you told your manager, to, your, your boss, to pray for, this, for, for pickles. You don't believe in God. You don't believe in prayer. And James said this. He said, I don't believe in God, but I believe in the example that John has set in what he does every day in the business. Because in my business world, we all have obstacles, right? We, I have obstacles. All of you that are in business, we have obstacles. But there are so many times where I tell Deborah, Deborah, will you pray that the freight that's delayed in Belgium will get here? I don't know how it's going to get here, but believe, because if I don't have this chocolate by 5 o'clock, 
I'm not going to make the day. I'm not going to make the week. And we will pray and we'll believe. And miraculously, they'll say, oh, there was a mistake. We got it through customs. Oh, that building permit, it happened. Whatever, whatever we believe and we pray about, we see great things happen. And I always talk about it to my staff just in everyday conversation, not that I'm, you know, preaching to them. I'm just, I'm living the gospel in front of them. And that's what I believe we're called to do. So fast forward, this nurse that was attending is a Christian, invited James to go to church with him. And I visited this market this, this last week. James is smiling. James is happy. James is involved in church. Pickles is doing great. And, and he, yes, please, please. So I asked James, I said, so how are you doing, man? And he said, I'm doing great. He goes, you know, he says, I'm going to tell you, he said, so much happened this holiday season. He said, and I really appreciate your compassion. And I really appreciate how selfless you were about the business. And you were more concerned about my feelings and my dog's feelings. And I think, you know, what I learned from that was several things was, that was a weak moment that God took and made something great out of. I didn't manage with my bottom line. I managed with my heart. And more importantly, this person saw God move. And we're called to be a light to the world. And we're called to be salt for the earth. In what, wherever we're at, whatever business we have, what, if we're a housewife, if, if we're president of a company, that's what we're called to do. And salt does two things. It flavors, but more importantly, it preserves. And as Christians, we're called to preserve the message of the cross, and we're called to preserve the gospel. And the best way to preserve it is to plant it into people's lives. And so that's what I try and do. And I, and, and I just want to you know, wrap up with one of my favorite quotes, and it's from St. Francis of Assisi. And this was a man who was, came from a noble home. His family was a merchant. They were in, in retail, so I can relate. Um, but he, he, he said this, and I think we've heard it, and it's said many different ways. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. So as we, as, you know, as we conclude this season, how can we preach that gospel? Is it opening a door like they do in Amarillo? Um, is it when you're in the line you know, at the grocery store and you see somebody that, that has more than you and that you can tell that they're in a hurry, let them cut in front of you. You give up that parking space that you've been waiting for because you look in your rearview mirror and you see somebody that, that probably needs it more so than you. So thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you. Stay up here. Will you pray? That's awesome. Will you all stand? Um, John just found out when I asked him, would you pray with me, that he's going to pray. <laughs> and then I'm going to pray, because I think your prayers are important um, for us, maybe more important than, than mine. So you pray first, and then I'll pray. Absolutely. Father, we, we just thank you, Lord God, for, for your word. We thank you, Father God, that, that we are involved in a, in a church that, that really is seeking to impact this community. And Father, this, this, this building is filled with people who are seeking you, that, that are wanting to become more, more like you and, and more like ourselves, so that when people see us and they experience us, they'll see something different that the world has to offer. That they'll realize that if they are weak, they, they have a place of shelter. That when they are in trouble, they have a place of hope. 
because only you can make us strong. Only you can give us that shelter. Only you can change us so that we can change others. So, Father God, I pray for every person here. I pray for anybody that is struggling right now, Father God, to, to, to lessen themselves and to be more like you and to, to touch others, that, that you will touch them and, and you will meet them where they're at, Father God, and more importantly, that you'll give us opportunities every day, from the smallest to the biggest, to, to impact this community, to impact this world for the glory of your name. Father, I thank you for John. God, thank you for his life. Thank you for the impact that he's having. God, may we be like him and may we be like you, Lord Jesus, that we would love people like, like, um, like he does every day, God. Father, I just pray that you will teach us and help us make decisions this week to be selfless, to think of, of ourselves less and other people more. In Jesus' name, amen.